Welcome back to SIVO Sisters, where we demystify and diversify the field of anesthesiology all within the duration of an anesthesia break. This week is the last episode where we discuss my journey transitioning out of full-time academic medicine into more of a portfolio career. So in this episode, we talk about the other stuff that I've been doing. We will also discuss how to avoid being a workhorse and why we need to have alignment between our professional and personal values. We're going to start this conversation off uh, with Dr. Manahagos expressing how silly it is to have a title with no authority. Please enjoy. Something else that I'm noticing in your story thus far is leadership without authority seems like an oxymoron. Leadership without authority is an oxymoron. You saw that there were some issues, whether it was personnel, whether it was logistics or otherwise, but you didn't have the authority to make these executive decisions to make the changes. And that in and of itself will affect patient care and of course the financial bottom line. Second thing that I thought was real interesting from what you're sharing is the business of medicine is important to practice clinical medicine. I think that I know that a lot of us in our medical training and education did not receive that type of education. We definitely got a ridiculous amount of training and knowledge on medicine, how to take care of people, how to address issues, complications, what are the indications, all of these things. But not so much of when I do this case, when I provide the general anesthesia and I use these specific drugs of this specific order, how much revenue am I generating for the hospital? How much revenue am I generating for the ASC? How does that impact my personal compensation, both currently and for future references? How do I use this potentially as a negotiation tactic or otherwise? You mentioned that non-pain specialists who did not understand why your patients needed more than 15 minutes in that at least initial visit because their frame of reference was completely different. And when you practice good medicine, it seemed surprising that it actually was good business <laughs> because it resulted in referrals, which generates revenue for the facility and essentially is able to pay for everyone and everything in that facility. That's really what it comes down to when we talk about the business of medicine. So when you had these experiences, and again, you had that sales experience for yourself at Texas, come to Children's National, you're in a leadership position, you're talking about, you know, leadership and authority cannot be divorced from each other. How can our listeners help themselves to learn more about the business of medicine, where they are now at their particular facility? One, I think it was really helpful, Dr. Una's podcast, Entre MD. She's a pediatrician trained. She knows how we think. She says, and she puts the principles in a practice in a way that is easily more digestible for us, um, given our training. So I would strongly recommend her. Also, many of us, we're, we're in organizations, right? Working for someone else. And she talks about intrapreneurship. So not necessarily. Being an entrepreneur, you know, 
being your own, you know, business stepping out, but actually being that change agent within where you are and how a lot of the same principles still apply for those who advocate for themselves and they they are viewed as being special, if you will. Um, let's say they they have a grant or they have a skill or they just befriended one of the C-suite folks and they're pulled out of the operating room to do those special things. Guess who is covering for them? The people who aren't speaking up. The people who have not made their unique selling proposition now. They're the ones taking on the extra clinical load. Uh, and so it really does behoove you in a in a big way to make known what it is you like, what you're good at. And that's not to say the organization is gonna necessarily like give you the time and the space for it. Often you have to prove through getting external dollars or having some VIP say something great about you. It's still worth expressing that because the consequence is you being a workhorse. Absolutely. You said workhorse. That is a perfect segue to Another thing that I noticed in your previous storytelling and then with your keynote speaking at TEDx, workhorse, and I think suffering. Okay, as physicians and as anesthesiologists, probably in particular, we are no stranger to suffering. Unfortunately, that is in a way, one way, one frame work to view our education, training and practice is suffering. Oftentimes, quietly, uh, at least professionally or socially, right? In our in our own personal time with people that we trust, it's not so quiet, <laughs> the suffering. But something that I think is really uh, complicated about that is when an individual is no stranger to suffering by virtue of their workplace requires it, their profession expects it then that individual ends up in a conundrum of sorts because then that suffering is normal. It is Mm. glorified, maybe at times. Mm. It is something to actually strive for. Well, what else can I do to keep adding to my name, to keep adding to my resume, to keep adding to my accolades? And there's nothing wrong with accolades and the pursuit of whatever makes you happy and satisfied. What I'm referring to is that suffering where that moral conflict, that moral injury, our own idea of what integrity or satisfaction looks like is not matching how we're living our life or how we are working. And then it sometimes, and especially for women, can definitely manifest in our health. Autoimmune diseases, we know from our education and training, for some reason, yet you know, not written down officially in our medical textbooks, women suffer from autoimmune diseases at alarming rates. And that shows up in different ways, whether it's in the monthly period, endometriosis, right? Whether that ends up in other autoimmune conditions like SLE, MS, et cetera. And I think that there's a lot to be discovered in there because women, we women are complex. We have a lot going on in our bodies because every month our body is prepared to do the most incredible thing possible. And that requires a very fine, elegant balance. And in medicine and as anesthesiologists, it can be very, very difficult 
to achieve that balance because the work is so hard and it expects so much. And because of who we are, we give so much. But in the pursuit of that, our own lives, our own health can be damaged. So my question to you is, when we have this intimate experience with suffering, how do we break away from that? Or how can we take a step back to understand the power we have to write a new story, a new chapter? I love that question. I am sitting in front of the book, The Myth of Normal by a psychiatrist, Gabor Mate. He talks about this very, very thing in his book about the normalization of the pathology that we have going around. A big element of that being people-pleasing and conformity. Um, He highlighted a, a study that found that a lot of the people who have cancers, one of the big psychological elements they all shared was that of people pleasing, swallowing their own dreams, wants, needs, just to receive the pat on the head from others. And we look at people pleasers as being a a cultural norm, when actually it's pathologic. We all have that call of what we're uniquely made to do, fear is what causes many of us to not pursue those things. I know for me, it was the reason why I had delayed leaving an organization that is just not for me, fear. It's the unknown. A big issue that physicians face is that it's almost like we need permission. We're rule followers. And to strike out on your own is seen as being rogue or a rule breaker. It hasn't been until I step out of that whole organization that I'm able to look back and see that, oh my gosh, this was brainwashing. I was being brainwashed. It's a shame that within medicine, we don't have any kind of business education at all. You know, chiropractors get it. And yet physicians are prohibited in this country from owning a hospital. (laughs) Boggles my mind um, how it's almost as if there's an effort to block us from getting that kind of education. Sandy, you said, it's almost like we are blocked. And I thought, what happens if we weren't blocked? What happens if we unblocked ourselves or we found another way, what does that look like? What would that look like? And I, oh my gosh, I think it looks like so many physicians, you know, coming together and really running their own ship. I, we are the ones closest to the patient. We know what the needs are and we organize and execute and We don't have this paradigm of profits over patients, but we have true patient-centered holistic care where it's not this siloed mess that we have right now. Uh, And patients feel it. They know they're being tossed around from this and that, but what else are they going to do? Uh, Insurance is dictating care. It's making a mess of our current healthcare system. So I think that physicians would, I mean, we, we come into this because we're empathic and compassionate anyway. And so using the skills that we have from our medical training and employing that in our practice, it just, it just makes everything better. 
right? Because for the first time, a physician will have control over their own schedule. It's like, that's unheard of. I have not felt like an adult until I left that place. And I was like, wow, I have my time back. Before, I mean, patients were being scheduled any which way. And even though I may take a vacation, give, give me a break, right? It's not a vacation. I come back and I have a ton of portal messages and a mess to clean up. And it's almost like you wish you never took the vacation to begin with. Because it's like, look at the dumpster fire you're coming back to. I think everybody owes it to themselves to just doing a per diem for a little bit just to audition for places, just to have that voice again of, no, I am working on these days. And these are the other days that I'm going to allocate towards my fill in the blank so that we can remind ourselves that we are multi-talented. We could take care of ourselves the way we need to. And we're back in the driver's seat of our time again. Whoever controls your time, I mean, they control your life. Let's be honest. That part. Uh, yes, the, there is a similar phrase of, you know, the person that controls the purse strings controls much. Time is a purse string in that sense, because it is uh, the most valuable asset that you cannot buy back. Let's go back to the story. So you stepped away from that organization. You felt like an adult for the first time because you had autonomy over your time, your life, etc. So then what happened? Okay. An opportunity presented itself. And I was able to do per diem. And I was like, oh, this is great. Still have a foot clinically. It gives me the flexibility to be able to spend time with my family and get my health back on track. Then I was already doing expert witnessing. I I still had cases that I was reviewing and really ensuring that I'm delivering quality to the cases that I'm um, reviewing and, and establishing relationships with attorneys and public speaking, still doing that. Um, and again, because of relationship came across uh, an opportunity to do corporate consulting. One thing that's becoming abundantly clear, that importance of relationship, that is what brings all different kinds of opportunities your way. Doing this podcast, um, and decided to just amp this up as well, because I put it out there in the world and then I announced it on Twitter and that's it. And it's like, not that many people are going to hear about it. So working to really get the word out about it so that others can benefit from the information that's on here. Because we're like 70 episodes in now. (laughs) I was like, okay. And a lot of the questions I get, I already answered on the podcast. So it really fuels me to um, get this out there and you know, utilize more than one social media platform and have the material digestible in multiple different ways, you know, through a newsletter, through an audio clip. Yes. Siva Sisters podcast is very popular because these bite-sized segments that you can utilize, learn from, get inspired by during your breaks or during your downtime with information that is critical for you to enjoy your life more, to upgrade your life more with real strategies that actually work from real anesthesiologists who are doing it is absolutely incredible. Now, I know there are people listening who are going to be like, well, let's, 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 let's get into that expert testimony and this corporate consulting, you know, 
the numbers. We we like numbers uh, and we like big numbers. So in terms of compensation for expert testimony, for example, what can that range uh, for an anesthesiologist or for a physician? And how does one go about finding those opportunities? Yes. One, I would strongly recommend um, before even going there is once you received your board certification, because that's key. I mean, you really can't establish yourself as a authority until you get the board certification. So I wouldn't jump to it when you're a trainee. But once you get the board certification, then complaints that patients have put out that now the state medical board has to review to see if it has any merit. And it's across all of medicine, there are going to be cases within anesthesiology where there is a complaint. You can volunteer to review those cases. Now, um, some states offer to pay you for your time, which is great because it is your time and you should be paid. Um, But many states still have this uh, as a volunteer. I would recommend if you are interested, if you think you're interested, start with reviewing cases for the state medical board. It kind of allows you to dip your toe in. And then if you don't like it, it's not like you were paid. You know, it's just not to say you would do a bad job. You know, you would do the job that you volunteered to do, but then you would just decline to review any more cases. Part of what expert work entails is first reviewing the case, whether or not the issue is directly responsible for the damage. So that's really the linkage you with the expert witness work, because if there's no connection to the two, then it's like, no. Once you have your board certification, once you, you know, reviewed some cases for the state medical board decide, oh yeah, I really like this. I enjoy this. Is like some websites where you can just set up a free profile to say that you're interested in expert witness work and you can set your price range. Now, as a board certified physician should have an hourly rate less than $500 an hour, period. It, that, so that's your floor. Your ceiling, I mean, you could set it for as high as you want. For those who have like neurosurgical training or orthopedics or their hand specialists, their rates are closer to like $900 an hour. Give you an example of a, a ceiling. But yeah, your floor should be no less than $500 an hour. And you could set up a profile there and and see if you get any bite. Like Gretchen Green, she's a radiologist who does a, a lot of expert witness work. I think she's now like seven figures in her expert witness work. And she uh, is a great resource, has a course. Um, and I, I really appreciate her a lot. Uh, I've utilized her expertise. so. That would be some ways to go if you're interested in that. It's great. Uh, to me, it really enhances clinical practice because you are seeing it now from multiple perspectives. So, and and then regarding the corporate consulting, it's really about establishing yourself as an authority. Where does your audience live? Like if you're looking at corporate, they're going to live on LinkedIn. So getting that profile tightened up, having a banner, having testimonials, having, you know, that all filled out as well as posts, you know, where you showcase what it is that you do um, and you teach others about, you know, why this area is important and relevant. So for me, a lot of my posts have been about um, 
the effect chronic pain can have on employees. And I just bring out examples of when I was in clinic. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you talked about the floor in terms of the rate 500 an hour, because accurate compensation, appropriate compensation for our skill set and experience is absolutely important. So it's important to talk about numbers and understand what does that actually look like outside of everyday clinical practice. And with your corporate consulting, you talk about where your audience is, namely on social media, LinkedIn, and being able to effectively communicate with them and, of course, effectively sell and share what your unique value propositions are. So when... I hear that you're a keynote speaker. When I hear that you consult, when I hear that you do this expert review, I'm wondering, does that mean that you get to travel a lot or is traveling to different states or different countries a part of your work or something that you like to enjoy in your personal time? Oh, yeah. So you're really tapping into that um, piece. And I know that, gosh, we've been talking for a while now. So we could end on this really fun, amazing piece. I I have not been able to. do any traveling due to training, due to, you know, I've got three kids. And so it was like, but I always want to travel the world. And one of the biggest pros of leaving the organization was being able to finally book trips and not have to ask if I had that time. (laughs) So in November, um, one of my good friends got married in Nigeria. So we went there and then added on a trip to Istanbul. Um, what's unique about Turkey is that they're one of the countries that offer the golden passport, which means you can purchase your citizenship and live there. And so we're like, oh, why don't we try it out? So it was just me and my husband, Justin. The kids were with my mom. And uh, oh my gosh, I just fell in love. How do you not love a country where as soon as we walk in to check into the hotel, they're like, please take a seat. And they hand you this most amazing tea, these treats wrapped up in the most beautiful of ribbons. And then they're like, oh, surprise, we've upgraded your suite. Now you have this. Oh, surprise, we've included breakfast for you. You know, and it's from this time to this time. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like I literally just stepped in to check in and I'm given all these gifts. And then I go to the breakfast and it's like this beautiful display of the most fresh fruits and meats and everything. And I'm like, I am feeling so much love. Then we walk out on the street and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe it's just that hotel. Every store we go into, they're handing you tea and treats. As you shop, oh, come sit down and they bring out stuff for you to look at. And it's like, okay, well, maybe that's just the tourist treatment, you know? And it's like, no, we went onto the Asian side of Turkey. We went all over and everybody treats people like that. That wasn't a unique feature of us. So I looked at Justin and looked like, you know, um, I like this. I, this, this is it. Like, I just love it. The food was amazing. Cost of living is beautiful. I just fell in love. So um, prior to that, I mean, we went to Barcelona, Madrid, like during, you know, uh, here and there in 2020, before the pandemic, we were able to do that. And I love Spain. It was very kid friendly, but it still left me with 
wanting to just look elsewhere. Like I still had that gnawing, like, I don't want to look elsewhere though, you know? And um, as soon as we experienced just that level of community in Turkey, I was like, I don't have any gnawing sensation. Like I'm good here. This feels really good. Uh, So after this trip, um, we have lined up to go to Japan. My son is in love, anime and all of that, like the Japanese culture. He's turning 12. So we're going to spend 12 days in Japan. And we're going to spend a few days in Tokyo, a few days in Kyoto, and a few days in Osaka. Uh, And then following that for spring. For their spring break, we're going to go to Cartagena, Colombia. So it's we got some trips lined up, not wasting any time. The way that this is set up with public speaking and consulting and all of this is virtual. I do have a few the speaking gigs that are on site. By and large, this is beautifully flexible. I also have serve as a medical board of advisors for a couple of startups. And so one of them, I'm actually going to be doing some telemed work uh, with pain with them. Um, They're called Override, a really amazing company who is working to revolutionize that whole problem we talked about with fractured siloed care to be able to provide adult comprehensive chronic pain care. It works with where I'm at right now with just wanting to finally see the world. Fantastic. This, this, I'm, I'm so happy that you got to share a little bit about that and that you've taken us on this journey of your story thus far. The incredible themes that are so relevant to so many of us at so many different crucial points of our lives about leadership, authority, loss, suffering, blessings, discovery, freedom, authenticity. I mean, all very important things to our lives that will help us to become more satisfied. It has been very inspiring to hear from you and to listen to your wisdom. And I know that we're going to be able to apply some of these gems to so many facets of our professional and personal life. Dr. Peterson, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the Sivo Sisters podcast. As an attendee, you've had so much to share with us. And I know that there is so much more when you talked about the startup and advising experience that you have. So thank you so much for having me here, Dr. Hagos, on the podcast to help with this unique presentation. And thank you so much to all of our listeners. Yes, thank you so much. I couldn't could not have had a better guest host. Thanks so much, Dr. Hawkins. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.